Welcome to Medicare for All Explained. This podcast will enlighten our listeners and dispel the distortions that surround Medicare for All. Medicare for All Explained is produced in collaboration with Physicians for a National Health Program and is hosted and produced by Joe Sparks. I'm your host, Joe Sparks. This is episode 61, To Be or Not to Be Health Insurance. That is the TRICARE question. My guest, Marion Weisberg, is a mother of two and lives in the suburbs of Washington, D.C. Disabled by a rare genetic disorder, her health relies on TRICARE and the military medical system, to which she has access as an earned benefit of her husband's career as an active duty officer. Previous to becoming disabled, Marion had a career as a technical rider and now enjoys homeschooling her children and doing needlecrafts. Marion Weisberg, welcome to Medicare for All Explained. I'd like to start. Could you please explain to people what TRICARE is? Certainly. TRICARE is a health benefit that was put into place by Congress in the 1990s. For active duty military, their families, and military retirees. And one of the things I think you said in our previous discussion that people sometimes get TRICARE confused with the veterans or the Department of Veterans Affairs or what's called the VA, and they are totally different, correct? Yes, they are run by different agencies of the government. Sometimes they share some facilities. But they, for the most part, don't serve the same population, and they are run by different agencies, different people with different budgets. Okay, and you have used TRICARE quite a bit. Can you please tell me about your experiences with TRICARE? Yes, I'm the spouse of an active duty officer and have been 14 years. He was active duty uh, at the time of marriage. So he's a a career officer. And I, we married almost 14 years ago before the Affordable Care Act. When I married into the military, so to speak, I I moved to Maryland in the Washington, D.C. area and began seeing the doctors at what was then called National Naval Hospital. It's now called Walter Reed. So Walter Reed and National Naval have since merged and are now called Walter Reed. And at the time, I thought that my health care coverage was very good. It was the best, most comprehensive, and easiest to use health insurance that I had experienced to that point in my life. I I was about 30 years old. So I was quite happy with it 14 years ago. However, There have been changes in some changes in the law, but more concerning um, changes in the administration of TRICARE that are quite concerning to me. And it sounds like from what you're saying, those changes made things worse. Yes. From my perspective, uh, they, they did. Uh, it's it's hard to pin down exactly what 
the policy changes or the administrative changes that I'm talking about were because it's difficult to get documents from TRICARE that reflect the changes. But there there was a major change a few years ago in they restructured particularly the PPO part of the plan and they changed the out-of-pocket expenses, which was somewhat understandable. Um, And that was communicated to us. Uh, What I'm more concerned about were sort of the priorities and in, that were put into place without, that appear to have been put into place without informing the beneficiaries and the priority and the way the priorities seem to have changed. And how do you think that has affected you personally? Well, it's, it's affected me quite a lot. When I got married, I had an illness that was not very severe and was not yet diagnosed. But since my marriage, I was diagnosed with a rare genetic disorder that has since gotten considerably worse than it used to be. And I I have Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, which is a inherited disorder of it affects the connective tissues in your body. So among other things, it affects our skin, but also the tissues that hold our joints together. So it becomes, and there are other effects, but it becomes possible and likely for someone with this disease to have really catastrophic joint injuries during normal activity. And I began experiencing that uh, about 10 years ago, the onslaught of these sort of catastrophic joint injuries. In particular, your spine is a stack of joints. And I started having major injuries to my spine without having the sort of normal events that cause these kind of injuries. I didn't have car accidents or major falls, uh, but my spine, some of the joints in my spine started coming loose and even dislocating. This is, it's a situation that can be very, very serious when your spine dislocates. So my problems with TRICARE really started becoming evident when my care was outside the realm of what the military medical facility normally sees. They they typically see a healthier population. They do have some retirees, so elderly folks, but typical elderly people, the typical health problems of elderly people, they see healthy young adults and they see people with with traumatic injury. And they're fairly good at taking care of these populations. But I started coming in with unexplicable, terrible injuries and not getting better from them, which was actually a lot more of the issue was I, I didn't get better after typical um, their, their typical standard procedure medical care for the injuries that I had. And at that point, 
I started, two things started happening. I started to be treated as if I had not a physical ailment, even even though Ehlers-Danlos syndrome was on my chart, I started being treated, not that I had a physical ailment, but that the fact that I didn't get better was suspected to be psychiatric. This was not supported by psychiatric care, but that it was the it seemed to be the opinion of doctors that I saw in general. But also when I needed care that exceeded the capability of the military treatment facility, it became very difficult to get that care covered by TRICARE. Whereas when I first arrived at National Naval, if they were over capacity or otherwise thought that I needed to be seen by a doctor outside the military treatment facility, being transferred to the care of a civilian was very easy. After this change that I believe happened, it became exceedingly difficult to get care, to get transferred to civilian care if it were needed. And that resulted in very long delays for me receiving the care that I needed as I tried to navigate how to request the care, appeal decisions, get documentation of insurance decisions, and so forth. I would end up with months-long delays before I could get properly covered medical care when I needed it outside the military system. If I may, one of the supposed benefits of TRICARE is that if people on TRICARE want to, they can go to civilian doctors. Isn't that correct? That is correct. TRICARE has uh, two tiers of plans. And the benefits have long been, the benefits that are supposed to be covered have long been put into the federal code, the, the Code of Federal Regulation. So it's, it's well documented what our coverage is supposed to be. And there are two plans. One is sort of an HMA where you're in, it's considerably more expensive to be on the HMO. But your care is ideally to be mostly handled inside the military, except it's codified in, in federal code. A lot of exceptions will fill a situation where you're supposed to automatically or be able to request to be sent to civilian doctors, such as if they can't see you at the military treatment facility in specific minimum amounts of time, whether it be seven days or 28 days or depending on the situation, they're supposed to automatically refer you to a civilian. Or there can be situations where your doctor says that we've exhausted the resources here. We would like you to see a civilian doctor. And on paper, it looks like it's supposed to be a fairly easy thing. And it used to be an easy thing to be referred uh, at least in my experience, you referred out to a civilian who takes TRICARE. In fact, the code does say that you can be referred to a civilian that doesn't take TRICARE if there are no doctors who, who meet categories of need in 
in the area that they should automatically pay for a non-TRICARE participating doctor if that's all that is available to you. Then there is another plan, costless with considerably more out-of-pocket cost, that is a PPO where you primarily see civilian doctors. But there's a great deal more liability for the patient for out-of-pocket expense. So yes, you're supposed to be able to see civilian doctors. You're supposed to be able to see them on both plans under specific circumstances. So you were saying that you were having trouble arranging to see the civilian doctors. Yes, I have opted to stay on TRICARE Prime most of the time, most of the last 14 years. For one, I have a a military treatment facility that is the second closest hospital to my home in suburban Maryland. So there's one hospital that's slightly closer. Um, The doctors are all in one place there. And I believe, based on my experience and on reading the code, that under certain circumstances, I should be able to see uh, civilian doctors and have it properly covered. Since I found that this is difficult and doesn't seem to follow, there seem to be, it seems really easy for the military treatment facility to curtail what was historically a benefit and that has not been on paper changed. I've resisted the pressure that's been put on me to go on to the PPO insurance because I'm not convinced and it's also not my experience that on the PPO that they follow what what I think the rules are on paper for covering us on the PPO. I did change away from Prime once, and we suddenly were liable for many thousands of dollars worth of medical bills that were with TRICARE participating providers, were pre-authorized, that we completely believe were supposed to be covered, but that we became liable by selecting a different plan. We became liable for bills if they were retroactively denied in the way they were. We became liable for for considerably higher bills than I've been off of Prime. So I went back on to Prime, and I've been trying to find out what do they say is covered, what does the federal code say is supposed to be covered, and how are they making decisions? I've been trying to find that out for years so that I can make an informed decision about what the coverage is supposed to be between the two plans, what can reliably be expected to be covered, and what are the processes to protect me from things like retroactive denials. And I've had a very difficult time getting straight answers. So I've I've been resisting changing to the plan that automatically sets me up for higher out-of-pocket liability. Now, you said you had an extremely difficult time trying to get answers. Mm-hmm. What have you done to try to get those answers? And what have the difficulties been? For example, about five years ago, so after the Affordable Care Act was passed, and a lot of people think of the Affordable Care Act as having to do 
mostly with the insurance marketplace that is set up in the states. But the Affordable Care Act also gave health insurance consumers, so beneficiaries of health care plans, certain rights and protections. And these were the ones that a great many of us liked, like the right to not have cherry picking in insurance policies that pre-existing conditions needed to be covered and that they had to allow us a a documented and transparent system of appealing decisions and that the decisions that insurance coverage decisions had to be communicated to us in writing. So these were built into the also into the Affordable Care Act. And a lot of people, even if they otherwise don't like the Affordable Care Act, value these protections. I've since discovered in talking to um, officials at the Defense Health Agency, which is the section of the government that administers TRICARE and that oversees TRICARE and the medical, the military medical system, it's their position that TRICARE beneficiaries are not protected by the ACA. So we aren't entitled to get insurance benefits, insurance decisions in writing. And it implies we're not entitled to see our insurance decisions in writing. We're not entitled to an appeals process. But it also implies things like if they make a blanket statement that the ACA protections do not apply to TRICARE beneficiaries. A blanket statement like that also says that we can be subject to insurance cherry picking and denial of coverage for pre-existing conditions, which I'm not sure very many Americans would think is fair or right that we should not, that TRICARE beneficiaries should not have these protections also. So I had a particular situation about five years ago, so after the ACA went into effect, where I had had major neurosurgery. I I mentioned that my spine was dislocated. I had a catastrophic dislocation of my upper neck, the first vertebra in my neck dislocated. And TRICARE, or Walter Reed did take care of me, Although I experienced a delay in the surgery, which was outside of the bounds of what our access to care standard is supposed to be in writing. And I found that it is simply practice at that department that surgery is simply not done within what federal code says our access to care standard must be. Even though I had this catastrophic injury that required surgery, I had to wait in excess of the access to care standard to receive this surgery and hope that nothing terrible happened to me in the weeks in between when my surgery was planned and when it was when it actually took place. I was lucky that I still walk. Um, I am alive and I didn't have a catastrophic stroke or any of the other terrible um, things that could have happened. Well, I had a dislocated C1. However, I should stop and add that the injury was diagnosed only when I left Walter Reed 
and paid out of pocket for a civilian doctor who had a lot of experience treating Ehlers-Danlos patients. He diagnosed me and recommended surgery. I took it back to Walter Reed, showed my geneticist the result. He set up so that I would see the neurosurgery department. That civilian doctor had recommended other care, like that I had other issues that required surgery in this opinion, besides the catastrophic injury that was the most pressing one at the time. He had recommended that I had other problems that were probably also contributing to a physical decline that I was um, experiencing. I was becoming very ill and that I needed other surgery and other care also. Well, yes, they, they gave me the care, the surgery for this terrible injury. And it stopped the decline in my health. I, I stopped going downhill after the surgery. That's good. Was not leading anywhere good the way my health was going. But I stabilized for a while, and then I started noticing more symptoms returning um, over the next year or two. And I was concerned about that and asked Walter Reed's uh, neurosurgery department about the other findings. And they declined to do anything about the other findings. I was having problems with my legs. My legs were becoming very difficult to use. Well, we can just describe that. I, I started having difficulty walking. And I had lost um, my ability to control my functions of the toilet. Uh, so this was a lower issue. An issue lower in my spine was coming up. And I asked Walter Reed's neurosurgery department to help they, they decline. At that point, I asked my geneticist, who was more familiar with the underlying condition that I had in my spine, can I please be referred to a civilian who is familiar with the complications, the spinal complications of Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome? Can I please go and see someone? There are a number of doctors in the D.C. metro area who are more familiar with the neurological and neurosurgical implications of this illness I have. And some of them take TRICARE. So I was referred to one. He concurred with the previous doctor and said I needed surgery in two other places in my spine to stabilize. One was to stabilize another area where, where my spinal cord was being pressed on. And I had another issue low down in my spine that was trapping my spinal cord at the bottom. We scheduled surgery fairly quickly. I think it was within a few weeks. We were ready for surgery. And that was when I ran into the issues with TRICARE. This was a TRICARE participating provider. I'd been referred by the head of medical genetics to go and see him. and. What what happens when you're getting your care at a military treatment facility is that they have the right of first refusal. And I don't understand why. This means that they can review care for a TRICARE beneficiary at an outside facility, at a civilian facility, and decide whether or not they can do it at the military facility so that they don't have to pay a civilian doctor a fee for service 
they have a capitated system. And I should say, I believe that in most of the departments at Walter Reed, it's a capitated system. I know that for sure primary care is capitated. And see, this is another thing. It's hard to find these things out for certain. But from what I've been told, it sounds like even the specialty departments have a capitated insurance agreement with the government. One of the questions I do have, though, is... So I was I was going to get to um, what, what happened at this point. Yeah. That, uh, okay. that made me wonder about why things, why it was so difficult and yeah. the difficulty I had that I thought was unreasonable in getting in getting this care okay. is shortly before the surgery, we're talking like the day before the surgery, Walter Reed exercised, Walter Reed's neurosurgery department exercised its right of refusal. They said, we can do the procedure which she is scheduled for. So we're going to take her care back to Walter Reed. They'd gotten informed that they, they were asked about whether they wanted to exercise the right of first refusal, evidently. And I say evidently because I was never informed of any of this in writing. Um, only through some conversations over the next few weeks, I sort of figured out what was going on. They exercised the right of first refusal, captured my care. They said, we at Walter Reed will take care of this situation for her. The situation that then happened, though, was that the doctor who had been seeing me then said, I already said I'm not treating before this this problem. We're not giving you any more care. So now I I had two civilian neurosurgeons who said I needed this surgery. But Walter Reed said that we are capturing it. We can do it so we can capture this back to us. We can say that it's our responsibility and then say, you're not going to receive any more care for this here. So it didn't seem to me that the right of first refusal included the ability to say, we can do it, but then we won't do anything once we've taken, once we've exercised the right of first refusal. So they, they cut me off from being able to receive the care that the civilian surgeons said I needed. And they, they actually went farther than that. They um, they said that they didn't believe that there were any doctors who had any more knowledge, any more specific knowledge about treating Ehlers-Danlos patients than they did. And in fact, people with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome didn't need any particular specialty care. So that that was not an issue that they should have to address. So I thought that this was not that this must not be an intended way of using the right of first refusal that they clearly had. It also, I was never informed of this decision in writing. And I was told that there was no appeal for this decision. So they they could say that I could not receive care by a civilian, that they would not treat me at the military base, that they wouldn't put it in writing, and that I had no, there was no way for me to appeal the decision. And this is when I really got into reading about what are my TRICARE benefits supposed to be and how are things being done right now. And we can't end the story there. Were you 
able to get the care you needed? I was eventually able to, to get the care I needed. Um, it was a, a, a rather long process. I, I was devastated. I, I, I truly believed that I needed this care. I was quickly losing what ability I had left to walk. I, I couldn't control my functions of the toilet. I was in my late 30s and caring for two young children. So I went to my congressional representative and told their office what had happened. And I was put in touch with the with a healthcare resolutions officer at the military treatment facility to talk to them about the situation. Presented my case that People with a rare genetic disorder that affects the joints perhaps may need uh, a, a different level, a different standard of care than the average healthy person. Presented medical evidence, you know, studies that indicated such a thing. So then the, the write-ups from the previous doctors. And they did decide to give me a one-time compassionate exception to the rule. They said they had a rule which did prevent me from receiving such care at the base and that they were completely within their rights to to do what they had done. They they supported what had been done with my coverage and my care in the neurosurgery department. And that their decision was not precedential, that it was a one-time compassionate um, decision and not something that I could use as a precedent in future, and told me, in, indeed, in the, in the letter I received, that my preference for a do- my desire to see a doctor who knew something about Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome was a personal preference only, so not a medical need, and that I should have time to go and buy other insurance that should be able to more meet my needs because special because the specialist care was looking for to have covered under TRICARE Prime was not within their approval. I forget exactly how they said it, their 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 scope of approval. So what I thought this letter said was that they did not have to cover doctors who knew how to treat people with this rare disease was what I got out of this, that, that they had the right to say that I was not entitled to have TRICARE Prime cover me for treatment of the complications of my rare disease. And there was one final thing they said, and we make these decisions based on congressional business rules, business rules given to them by Congress. I asked for what those rules were. I wanted copies of them. I wanted to find out what were the limits in law, according to Congress, of my of my health coverage. And they denied me copies of the rules that they cited. How much longer did it take you to get the care you needed? Well, on a compassionate grounds, I over the next six months I did receive the two surgeries that were recommended by the civilian neurosurgeons. 
I regained much of my ability to walk and the other problem was resolved almost entirely. So the the surgeries were effective in very short order. I came home from the hospital in, in one case being able to use the bathroom normally. And over time I and fairly quickly after the other one I was able to get to get back to walking and um in fairly well. So but I still was very concerned about what happens the next time I'm injured, because there is always a next time. What happens next time I'm injured? What am I ever going to have to go through to get insurance coverage? From what mm-hmm. I'm hearing, it seems that TRICARE can arbitrarily decide whether you're covered for something or not. And are there any standards as to how they do this? Who decides what's covered or not? In speaking with people at DHA and at my local military treatment facility, um, like I said, there there are there's a long section of the federal code that says what is supposed to be covered and when. There's also a tracking manual that instructs the contractor that handles administering civilian claims, how they're supposed to handle the claims. And then there are a number of DOD policies that that do say things like that we're supposed to be able to have appeals of insurance decisions. Like there's supposed to be a, be a an appeal system that we have access to. But when I've spoken to people at DHA and at Walter Reed, they go together. I've been told things like that, well, you have to understand that since it's a capitated system, the base commanders do have to see that they're paid enough to run their base. So, sorry, I should have said something before this. Um, I asked them, I asked them about a question like, well, why can't I just count on if a department doesn't have the capacity to see me in the right of amount of time or doesn't have a specialist that can meet my needs? Why isn't there an an easy way, a known way, a documented and accessible way to request one a referral to a civilian, as it seems to say in all of these policies and and codes? And their answer was that they give a lot of leeway to the base commanders because the base commanders have to use the capitated system to support the base. They have to keep enough people enrolled there to support the base. And so what they were saying was that it's acceptable for base commanders to set aside the rules that are supposed to protect us from things like overcrowded departments and not being able to get appointments, that the base commanders are allowed to use the base's financial interest to override basically any given rule if they think it's in the financial interest of the base to deny referrals outside of the military treatment facility because that takes away a payment from the base commander. 
if we're allowed to go outside. So yeah, they 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 really said that it was it was up to the base commanders whether or not anything is covered. It does seem to be a capricious rather than orderly decision making process. So if you can't get the care you need, they're saying, oh, go out and buy more insurance, even though the idea of insurance is supposed to be that it covers you. Well, that's another thing is they 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 tell me that TRICARE is not insurance. Although military.com refers to it as insurance all over the place when they explain what our benefits are. They say it's insurance, it's insurance. When pressed as to why they don't follow the ACA, for example, although when, I, when I've pressed as to why I don't have rights under the Affordable Care Act, they've said that that's because the Affordable Care Act applies to insurance and TRICARE is not insurance even though it walks like insurance and quacks like insurance, they say it's not insurance so that <laughs> so that rules which are to govern insurance don't apply to it. Okay. It, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> that everyone calls it insurance, including military.com, but the military says it's not insurance, so we don't have to follow the swimming rules. So if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, but it's not a duck. Unless we decide that's, it's a duck. That's what I've been told, is that it is a a health benefit plan, although it does seem in the ACA that it talks about health benefit plans. The ACA, I've looked through, it does not exclude TRICARE from its jurisdiction in the bill. Well, that's interesting. Marion, thank you so much for being on Medicare for all explained. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I think it's important that Americans understand what the difference is between the expectations for military care and what the reality is right now. You have been listening to Medicare for All Explained. Remember to tell your family, friends, and colleagues about this podcast. Information about Medicare for All Explained can be found at our website, medicareforallexplained.org. The music for this show is Super Bubbly by Jesse Spillane. The logo was created by Lily Sparks. Thank you for listening.